Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Just how excited are you for Kansas City and Chiefs fans to kind of celebrate the Super Bowl again over the course of draft weekend here in town? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm extremely excited. Uh, I remember whenever the draft got announced, I, I told uh, Mark Donovan that I was going to make sure they say world champion in Kansas City Chiefs whenever they announce our pick. Um, and so uh, I held my word to that. And uh, I don't know if I've ever been able to say say that in the, the host city, um, but I'm excited for the Chiefs Kingdom to be out there and obviously supporting the entire draft uh, draftees and the, their process, but supporting the, the Kansas City world champion, Kansas City Chiefs, whenever our pick comes up. Technically, they were able to say that in the host city the years the Giants won it because the draft was always in New York. The year the Jets won it, the draft was in New York. I don't think they made a big deal out of it because that's just where the draft always was. It became a traveling road show about 10 years ago. Basically, by accident, there was a conflict at Radio City Music Hall, some Easter spectacular. So they had to look somewhere else for the draft venue. They went to Chicago and they realized it's a pretty big deal. Did it there a couple years, went to Philly, went to Dallas went yeah. to Nashville. They were in Cleveland. When were they in Cleveland? Was it last year in Cleveland? It all blurs together for yeah. me. But they're in Kansas City this year. And yeah, world champion Kansas City Chiefs. By the way, by the way, yeah. maybe you can hide money. Because that room behind Patrick Mahomes, I, I mean, come on, man. That doesn't look like the room of a guy making forty five million a year. Maybe well, he just well, has some. You don't taste. know. This maybe could be like his second right. house. This could be a second house, right? Yeah. That's the first thing I thought of. I, I could, like maybe it's his his Texas house or something. I don't know. And either way, I think it's a back again to him. He, I, I think this is a simple guy. I think he goes, come on down here and play some pool. I'm going to whoop your ass and hit the eight ball in the corner pocket, and I'm going to be just happy with that. I think that's who he is, and, and that's why I, I like him because he doesn't I, seem to have I that mean, ego about him sometimes, you know? I, I, I don't know that there's enough room around the edges <laughs> to tough. shoot pool there. It's like George Costanza's old bedroom that his dad turned into a pool hall, and you're, you're, you're busting a window when you're trying to rear back. you right. got to use the maestro's. 
uh, baton in order to, to shoot pool in that room, I think. <laughs> so anyway, um, we're just having a little fun. Patrick, we love you. We want you to have even more money so you cannot spend it on sprucing up the pool room at your second or third house, as the case may be. Okay, um, far more importantly, though, than than being able to announce that the Chiefs are the world champions at the upcoming draft, the status of that ankle that we saw injured badly against the Jaguars in the divisional round, it was an issue throughout the rest of the postseason. It was an issue late in the first half of Super Bowl 57. He somehow found a way to conquer that and overcome it. Here he is talking about the current status of that ankle injury. Yeah, I think now it's it's been more about uh, just kind of managing it, uh, but getting the mobility back as best as I possibly can. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm 100, 100%, but I've had no necessary limitations. It's just when you go through a grind of a week of training and you're trying to push it and go through the rehab process, but at the same time you want to make sure you're still building, um, you might be a little sore on the weekends. But I think we've done a great job of pushing it to the right limit um, to where now I'm throwing and stuff like that and having no limitations there. I feel like the foot was way more um, – serious I guess you would say um than the ankle has been I mean the foot with having the surgery and having that that cast on it, it just really cut my mobility down a lot and so I had to really work through that even into the season that next year um with the ankle I've felt like we, we've improved uh especially these last few weeks a ton um as far as the swelling that went down finally and um I, I don't have that soreness just as much as I was having it after a few days of work and so uh, with the, the improvements that we're making these last few weeks, I, I have a, a great feeling that by the time we get to training camp, it won't even be. The foot injury he referred to, the turf toe, yeah. that limited his mobility dramatically in Super Bowl 55. They right. lost to the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers' front four was able to chase him and harass him, and it was just enough of a difference that he couldn't do. He tried. He tried to will his way. Yeah. He still to, he still should. To, I mean, if they I mean, caught the ball, incredible. they might. it was going to be a close game. It was, it was incredible. Right. right. The, the package of plays that we show of the Herculean stuff that he was doing with that messed up toe, they Insanity. got surgically repaired three days later. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a bigger deal than the ankle because there was surgery, there was a cast, and, and he admitted it affected him into the next season. Right. Now, Remember I was yeah, saying that at the, the time? Reports to yeah. see, see, if the, see if the injury reports actually actually uh, line up with that, but uh, that happens from time to time in the NFL. But the ankle, hey, I'm surprised it's not 100%. We're only two and a half months removed from the game, though, and uh, yeah, it was a pretty serious ankle injury. And as you keep, you know, as you keep, Running on it and playing football on it, you're going to slow down the healing process. So, uh, you know, he's stubborn. He wants to do what he wants to do. It's hard for someone with those kinds of physical attributes to, to do nothing. But sometimes you just need to rest it up and let it heal. And uh, hopefully for him and for the Chiefs, he will be 100% when it's time to to kick off on that Thursday night after Labor Day. The uh, the 2023 regular season he'll be ready we know that we know he'll will be ready the high ankle sprains they're tough they really are he he explained it right i had one really bad one in my life and it's the type of thing where you like he said like you can run around and work out but you feel it when you get done and you go damn wait that was four months ago when i had this high ankle sprain it lingers you know what's there so you can still do everything, but you can feel tired and achy at times at the end of a workout. It's a very it's it's a weird one, you know. It really that high ankle sprain. It's not your typical roll of the ankle, right? It's how he got it, where it rolls outside, and 
The ankle doesn't roll outside, right? So that's where it goes up into the knee almost because a lot of those muscles and tendons connect there. And it's one that I, I had a bad one like I told you, Mike, and I could honestly tell you that a year went by and I could still go, oh, wait, oh, ooh, oh yeah, that's where I hurt my high ankle sprain. That's it. You know, but, but he will be okay. He just It's, it's going to take time and continuing a little rehab and the work and it'll all get there. It's not nearly as concerning as the toe, right? Mike, if you remember in 2021, I was trying to tell people I had on, had on good information from people in the league that he was nowhere near 100% that year. I don't know if you remember me kind of saying that because I kind of kept saying his mobility is not the same. He's not running the same. He looks a little slower, if you remember right. And I think that really was one of the under the radar. They kept it secret for that 2021 season, and we saw more of the uh, real Mahomes, I think, last year. Well, and it makes sense uh, in hindsight now that he's flat out admitting it, acknowledging it. So the question is, Will he have reduced mobility? Will he be 100%? We have no reason to think he won't be, but right. I would have expected him to be healed by now. But again, it's just two and a half months, and it's a weird one. He's still got plenty of time yeah. before the, the season gets started. Uh, Justin Herbert has a shoulder issue that uh, was not anything that kept him from playing last year, but it was still there. Head coach Brandon Staley met with reporters yesterday to address the status of Herbert's shoulder. Here he is. Uh, progressing well. Is, is he here? He is. Any uh, clarity on whether he's going to participate in OTAs or still sort of up in the air? Yeah, up in the air. Just uh, we're going to listen to the doctors, and I know he's making progress. And again, we'll have those updates as we get more uh, as, as we get closer to practice time. Attention, all NFL teams, PR departments, have a microphone at your press conferences so we can hear what the reporters say. When, when are we – some teams do it, but when are we going to realize? Because like yesterday with the Casario press conference, I couldn't hear what the questions were. Yeah, right. And I know he can, and that's all that matters. But if you're going to put this video online and you want people to use it and talk about it, it's helpful to know what the questions are. It's helpful to hear with clarity what the questions are. And it's not that expensive. It's not that expensive. It can't be a money issue. And uh, teams are doing well the last time I checked. Just have a microphone and pass it around to the reporters so you have a video that actually – has value when you try to put it online or people use it on shows. That's I'm sorry to make that detour, but I shouldn't have to. This is something these teams should figure out on their own without us telling them, hey, get a microphone at your press conferences. I, well, sometimes I think that's what they want because then they can just answer the question however they want, and we just go, oh, okay, he must have been asked this or whatever. <laughs> I honestly think that's, that's a, a planned outcome. That it just lessens the, oh, we putting you on the spot a little bit more here type of situation. I think for some teams, you're giving them too much credit. Uh, maybe. I think for some teams, maybe Belichick. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't know they that every team. It. I think for some teams, I think for some teams, it's just, yeah, we looked on Amazon. That microphone's forty nine ninety nine. That's not <laughs> it's a little budget. too much in our budget. It's a little too much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need those diamond encrusted toilet seats. We can't spend forty nine ninety nine on the super yacht. Uh, On the super yacht is where we need the diamond-encrusted toilet seats in all the rooms on the super yacht, including the servants' quarters. Okay, Uh, so surgery for Herbert was in late January, and kind of a weird spot for him, too. And obviously he's paying attention to this Jalen Hurts contract. He's going to dig into the details of it and and, uh, how much of it is going to be incorporated for his, how should it compare to the Jalen Hurts deal. But uh, 
regardless, gives him a way to stay away from workouts while they work on a contract because he's still recovering from that shoulder surgery. Yeah, I'd be interested to see, you know, where, where you know, where he is with the shoulder. It's not concerning, right? It's a non-throwing shoulder. I, I would expect that, you know, even if he does OTAs, they never let people around him at first just in case, you know, don't want anybody bumping him or anything like that. What he just has to figure out is just with that front shoulder when you're throwing, you know, when you kind of torque to pull away to throw the ball, does it bother you a little there with that front shoulder? Uh, if it does, then he'll take a little time. But I don't think it's going to be long or anything concerning that way. So that, that'll, that'll work, itself out, uh, work itself out. Now, what I do want to ask you, though, is what do you think? Do you think – I would think after these full details of this contract get laid out that the Bengals and the Chargers are going to be happy with the Jalen Hurts contract and being able to use that against Herbert and Joe Burrow as far as what they're asking for. Do you really think it's going to matter to Joe Burrow? I don't want to speak for Justin Herbert, but I think we know enough of Joe Burrow that with that that very easy demeanor where he can say whatever he wants. He's just going to shake his head and say, doesn't matter. It's not me. It's not me. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's not going to work for me. Don't don't try to give me the Jalen Hurts contract. I want my own contract. And I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, and I have no idea what Joe Burrow wants, and I have no idea what the Bengals will do. But if anybody's getting a percentage of the cap, it's Joe Burrow. Because I could see Mike Brown, the owner of the Bengals, understanding, hey, this is really going to piss off all the other owners, so good, I'll do it. It gives me certainty in percentage, not dollars, but percentage going forward, and it allows me to get Joe Burrow signed to an ultra-long-term deal where he's protected, we're protected, we're fine with it, he's fine with it, and we don't have to worry about ripping the deal up, we don't have to worry about him coming back to us. He gets, you know, whatever it is, 16.25783% of the salary cap every year. That's his pay, yeah. and we, we put a team around him with the rest of those cents on every single dollar. I, I still don't know why nobody's doing it. Why does the league not want teams to do it? Why do teams not want to do it? It's fair. It makes sense. And Pete's telling me to move on. I guess Pete doesn't care about the issue as much as I do. Hey, Pete! Moving on to Matthew Stafford. Okay. Uh, Pete... Pete, we're moving on to Matthew Stafford. Here he is, speaking of guys who are injured. Here's a guy that's usually injured who apparently is feeling pretty good, Uh, specifically talking about whether or not he was always returning despite the chatter that maybe he would retire. I mean, I felt really confident I was coming back. Um, I feel like more people were less confident in that than I was. But, uh, no, I was ready to go, ready to play, um, you know, as soon as I was cleared. And I feel great, feel healthy, and, and, um, you know, I'm not – I'm not 25, um, but uh, I definitely feel good. I've been throwing with the guys, um, you know, a decent amount leading up to this, um, so I feel good. Um, obviously, going to do everything I can to try to be as healthy as I can at all times. Um, you know, not probably a human jugs machine like I used to be, uh, but uh, can still get it out there and, and throw it around. Um, you know, uh, a bunch. I'm not going to talk too much about what used to be or how I used to feel or anything like that. All I know is that. I put a lot of work and time into trying to feel as good as I can for right now. I do feel about as good as I can for right now, and uh, it's exciting for me. Control Room thinks there's been some dental work for Matthew Stafford. No doubt about it. That's fine. Joe Burrow did it a couple of years ago. 
and it's entirely possible maybe he broke a tooth or two drinking the 1942 straight out of the bottle. Yeah, I mean, it happens, right? There is there is a there is a hazard. There is a hazard <laughs> to drinking the tequila straight out of the bottle, right. especially especially if you're going to drink too much of it and if you're going to perfect the craft of walking away quickly when someone falls off of a Jeez, stage. Yeah. Like you may hit yourself in the mouth with the bottle as you pivot <laughs> you're funny. and walk away. You're funny. <laughs> you are. Uh, yeah, listen, he, he's been beat up. We know that. You know, I mean, again, it, it's it, he's it, kind of funny with what he said there, you know, especially at the end. Like, I feel good for right now. You know, that's exciting. Like, it's like he's expecting something to come down the line here. But we've talked about this a lot. He's about as beat up of a middle 30, you know, 30s quarterback as you're going to find. I mean, the fact that we're even like, again, it tells you how beat up is the fact that he's, oh, I'm not a jugs machine anymore. He's got to worry about that. Like, he's worried about throws that, that you know. Tom Brady ain't worried about throws, right? Even right now, he could go out and go, I'm going to throw 300, 300 balls today. You know, you know, if you throw it the right way and you're not beat up, you shouldn't be having a sore arm, but we'll see. Again, this is a big thing for Matthew Stafford. He did great last year. He was amazing. They just stunk around him. But if you go back and watch the way he played, it actually was quite impressive. He took a beating while doing it, uh, but damn, yeah, I mean, put me in the category and you're probably in this too. I don't know what to expect from the Rams this year. You know, it's, it's a team that's totally flipping everything around in a rebuild, retool mode. And they got a quarterback that we certainly got some questions about as far as his health status and being able to play a full year. He is an old 35. We've talked about that. And he can do whatever he needs to do to get to 100 percent. And hey, big difference over last year if he is 100 percent, because he was never 100 percent last no, year. Man. Never. He had the elbow issue that the, the, the elbow issue, injury issue, the elbow issue or injury that kept him from throwing it all in the offseason. And then it was an issue in training camp. Got it right that time until all of a sudden it wasn't. Wasn't that so weird? Yeah. Like it was this panic level thing for the Rams. And then all of a sudden it just wasn't a problem. But once it's time to play games, that's when he gets hit. That's when he's going to get banged up. And with each passing year, it's going to be more likely to happen. And, and look, there was enough smoke to think that there was at least a flicker of flame, that they were waiting for someone to make them an offer to trade Matthew Stafford's contract because they had to guarantee another $57 million to this guy. I'm telling you, they were, they were drunk off their asses on 1942 after they won that Super Bowl because they gave out a bunch of contracts they shouldn't have. It's amazing to me that this team won a Super Bowl. The way they've mismanaged the cap, the way that they have given out money from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford to uh, – who else did they pay a bunch of money to? Todd Gurley. They, they, they traded Jalen Ramsey so they don't have to. They gave all that money to Todd Gurley. They gave the money to Allen Robinson. They gave the, the contract to Aaron Donald. They still have him. But, I mean, the, this Stafford deal – they they had to give up an extra first round pick to unload Jared Goff's contract, yeah. and God only knows what the trade terms would have been if they would have been able to find a partner for Matthew Stafford, somebody who would have taken on that contract. And the hope was that the Jets would be the team that swooped in and made them an offer for Matthew Stafford. But I don't know how much longer he's going to be with the Rams. Who knows? I feel like he's year to year. I feel like Sean McVay's year to year, even though he tries to say he isn't. I feel like they both are. And if this year goes badly enough, one or both could be gone by 2024. Yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, you're right. I put like anything can happen there for sure. It's definitely a, a flip. It seems like a flip of the coin a little bit with the Rams. And 
you know, agreed with you. They won the Super Bowl, and they were a little frivolous. They were frivolous before that, we know. But the Super Bowl just justified them being, hey, here you go, here you go. And they traded for Matthew Stafford and gave away the first-round picks. So because of that, they wanted to justify all that as well. You know, but yeah, they've thrown money around. And I also think that's the reason, and I know we've hit on this, that McVay, who I think was very seriously thinking about walking away, didn't walk away because he was like, damn, I a lot of these guys signed back here because I told them I was going to be here and made promises, and that's why they're here. I think there was a personal element that he started to realize, oh, wait, wait, I might have affected a lot of people's lives here and now just walk away. So, uh, yeah, very interesting situation. I mean, I think when you couple the quarterback, the, you know, uh, the, the coach, Aaron Donald at the end of his career and where he's at and all that, um, yeah, I, I mean, the Rams, it feels like they're not a contending team for playoff football and a team that I'm like, how competitive or how good can they actually be? I'll look at it this way, yeah. and I'm willing to to put this prediction out there. I think it's very likely Aaron Donald's last year with the Rams. Right, you've said Quite that. Quite possibly yeah. Matthew Stafford's last year with the Rams, and good chance it's Sean McVay's last year with the L.A. Rams, and we'll just see how, how it plays out. And you said anything can happen. I don't think winning a Super Bowl is going to happen. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't even think I that mean, would be a hell of a story. Right. Playoffs. I mean, I, they don't look like, you know, you just evaluate again. It's paper. I know that. But, you know, playoffs doesn't seem like a real thing in that division with the way their roster looks, some of the age of their players, you know, the, the draft, the you know, lack of picks there. They're not going to be able to save themselves because of that. That's, so it's not going to change my thought a whole lot there. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a team that's in, in flux right now. And it really is amazing, before we take a break, to see how the ultra-loyal Serenity Now fans will plug their ears and ignore what's staring them in the face. Because Sean McVay clearly went through a process where he was thinking about leaving. But when he decided to stay, the ultra-loyal Rams fans, if there are any, and I think there are, they said, oh, it was all fake. It was all made up. He was never thinking about leaving. Baloney! That's what Baloney. everybody said. He was leaving. Right. He was leaving until until he got that blowback that you referred to. He was rattled. He was shaken by the blowback. This has been fair-haired boy, golden child his whole life. And for the first time, he was getting criticized. He was getting called out. He was hearing it publicly. He was hearing it privately. He was packing up and getting out of Dodge before the, the ceiling caved in on the operation. And everybody who was left behind was like, what the hell are you doing? And once that started to happen, he got shamed into staying. He was out and he got shamed into staying. Another reason he stayed there wasn't you know, a $20 million offer from Amazon on the table like there had been a year before. There really wasn't a place he was going to go and get good money to be a broadcaster. The seats were taken. But still, once that blowback happened, that's when the toothpaste went back in the tube. And I, I don't, I'm not ready to accept, given the fact that most teams, but specifically the Rams, have a history of not telling the truth about things, I'm not ready to accept his version of the truth that he's staying for good. I think that it could be his last year as well with the Rams. And if we if we don't acknowledge that, we're just fooling ourselves. All right, let's take a break. Chris is going to take us through his defensive tackle rankings for the 2023 draft when this Tuesday edition of BFD Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, 
and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. At Delta, we know Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. There they are, the Chris Sims defensive tackle draft rankings for 2023. And to no surprise, all alone at number one, tier one, despite all the questions, off field, on field, does he love football? Does he not love football? Does he work hard? Yada, yada. Jalen Carter, the Georgia defensive tackle, a dominant presence, a guy who I am convinced, Chris, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, I'm convinced he's going top 10. He wouldn't have accepted the invitation to Kansas City as part of this ruse to try to get somebody to take him in the top 10 because you don't want to be guy who sits in green room. No. Because if you fall out of the top 10, yeah. well, the all the teams that you told, sorry, I'm not coming to visit you, what, are they going to take a flyer on you in the teens? So uh, the fact that he's going to Kansas City tells me that he knows, his agent knows, he's going in the top 10. Definitely. Definitely. And that's why they said we're not visiting anybody outside the top 10. They've known for a while. I, this is arguably the best player in the draft. That's why. I mean, it's out of the non If you take the quarterbacks out of the situation, Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech are the two best players in the draft. I, this is this is a guy that Mike. I mean, there's there's nothing he can't do here. You know, we're talking about like go back to the days of Jerome Brown and the Eagles or Warren Sapp with like flexible, bendable, explosive. Mike, you watch him on on film. And you can go through a game and something I said on the podcast yesterday, like you can watch the game and you're going, wait, like I had to stop in the middle of one game and go, wait, is this, am I watching a highlight tape or am I still on the game here? Right. I mean, big, powerful, you know, explosive off the ball can win with the pass rush any way you want. He can come around the edge like a great pass rusher. He can push the guy right back into your face. He can juke the guy and get around you that way. He's awesome against the run. He's never on the ground. He can two-gap people, Mike, and hold up a, a big lineman and just go, oh, oh, wait, the running back's over here. Let me throw you that way and make the tackle. I mean, when he runs, he looks like he runs a 4-6, a low 4-6 of 315 pounds. He is, without a doubt, one of the best players in the draft, if not the best. And I would be shocked, Mike, if – let's just – if he's, I would be shocked if he goes past five, really – Seattle, I think Pete Carroll will take his shirt off and run to the podium if Jalen Carter's there at five. I really do. 
And I, I, that's why I think they're probably That'd sold. be a long run. That'd be a long <laughs> run. Right. He right. hits hey, faster than a 4'6". You see Pete, when he puts that gum in his mouth, that man can run. So he might get there. <laughs> <laughs> but he's amazing, Mike. He um, really is. He's a, he's a can't-miss prospect. And, of course, now you have to worry about, yeah, some of the off-the-field stuff and worry if, you know, the things you said. But well, the, the film speaks for itself. This comes down to development, draft, and develop. What kind of influences do you have in your organization to speak to the better angels of a guy who may be inclined to do something he shouldn't do? Peter and I were talking last week on Friday about some noise that maybe the Steelers were talking to the Bears about moving up to number nine. Maybe the Steelers are thinking about trying to get Jalen Carter. And on the surface, not the kind of guy Mike Tomlin would want. But wait, maybe exactly the kind of guy Mike Tomlin would want because Mike Tomlin has a history of doing quietly. It. Because right. we don't know about it until the guys leave and go somewhere else and, and go, give their coaches the headaches and sleepless <laughs> right. nights. Right. Tomlin, Tomlin isn't going to play that. And I, there's a video floating around of Rick Spielman, the former Vikings GM, saying that Carter's got high bust potential because when you watch the film, he doesn't turn it on every single play. Well, okay. You know what that means? That means right. you need a head coach that's going to cause you to turn it on every single play. Sure. And, and when, hey, when everything's well, going well in Georgia and you're winning national championships, well, Kirby Smart doesn't have to worry about lighting a fire under Jalen Carter's ass. The defense is working well. We're not going to, you know, we're not, we, why waste our time? Well, Everything's fine. That's but where, if you, at the next level, yeah. you get a coach that, that, that makes it imperative that every single play goes out there and busts his ass. Right. And in the NFL, they're much better at, like, putting in other guys, spelling guys. Wait, we're going to manage how you play this game in the snaps, right? You know, yeah, there's some drives where you look at and he gets tired at the end of the drive. And I want to go, okay. You know, look, it's college football. The team didn't huddle. They're looking over at the, 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 the sideline. Everything's quick, and he's been on the field for 12 plays in a row. Okay, I mean, every defensive tackle in the history of football gets tired after that. Every one. So that's where, again, it, it gets a little nitpicky there. That's, I don't always love that. He's going to get in the NFL, and he's going to go – he's going to have to play a little more than 50% of the snaps of the game. They're going to make sure he's fresh for the right moments of the game. They're not going to be like, hey, it's play 14 and they're on the 37-yard line. We need you to go all out one more time, play 14 in a row. No, that doesn't work. That's not how it goes. Aaron Donald doesn't do that. He's in for three or four or five. They take him out for two or three. He's back in on that kind of drive. That's what they'll do with Jalen Carter. He, he's a can't miss, Mike. He's the best – D tackle I've seen since I've been on this. Like I, Quinnen Williams was a number three pick a few years ago. He's better than Quinnen Williams. You know, one of the things I wrote at the end of the my little evaluation, I just wrote, this is not, this is like all time great type of talent. He has a chance to be that, and that's where, like, when I hear Steelers might want to trade up the number nine, I just go, yeah, so do I. I'd also like a billion dollars in the bank account. There, I just would be shocked if he's there at nine. Would be shocked, Mike. I just go, if Houston takes Tyree Wilson at two, which I wouldn't even be shocked that they win Jalen Carter at two, I would think Arizona's taking whoever's left over from that. They need that. And then Seattle, of course, if they're if he's sitting there, I don't imagine Seattle or Detroit letting Jalen Carter go by, right? So that's where I just have a hard time thinking he falls really past five, but six at the most. I just hope he lands in a spot where he gets the coaching – and the support he needs to be the best player he can be. I had a GM explain to me a few weeks ago, the risk of taking him high is if you do, you validate the behaviors that gave you the concerns in the first place, and that may make it harder to turn him around. I wrote that it would be good for him to maybe slide a little bit, light a little fire, get him to recommit. Yeah, I hear you. Because his first thought's going to be, if he would be the fifth overall pick, 
all that stuff, all that, you know, all that noise. Hey, I still got, I still got taken where I was taken. I can still live my life the way I want to live my life. He needs a coach and a support system that will get the most out of him, push him to be the best he can be. All right, let's do this. Let's take a break. We'll talk more about Chris's top defensive tackle prospects for the 2023 draft when PFG Live continues right after this. You know, if I'm Kalaja Kansi, I want nothing to do with any of this comparison to Aaron Donald. Although size is similar, weight is similar, hand is similar, speed, Kansi, one one-hundredth of a second faster in the 40. They both went to pit Aaron Donald, an all-time great Kalaja Kansi, number two on your list of defensive tackle prospects for the 2023 draft. I, I think it's unfair to compare anyone, sure. to even try to compare anyone to Aaron Donald. I mean, I think we knew... I remember thinking, like, is Aaron, I like, yeah, he's not a big guy, but so what? The guy, you just don't know until he gets to the NFL. That's right. But as he was sliding through the top 10, I remember it nine years ago, I'm thinking, this guy's going to be good. This guy's going to be good. And the Lions are the ones who should have taken him. The Vikings should have taken him. Multiple teams should have taken him. Uh, our team's going to be regretting not taking Kalaja Kansi. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess he's going to go, like, lower than he should just based on his film, just because of, like, what you said. Even though the film is great, everyone's going to go, I don't know. Like you said, it's 6-1, it's 281, you know, defensive tackle in the NFL. You know, yeah, the comparisons are rough. You're right. I mean, we're talking again against like, oh, I don't know, only the greatest defensive tackle in the history of football and Aaron Donald are in that convo, right? This guy, though, is as close as you're going to get to Aaron Donald that I've seen. I mean, this is bull in the china shot, Mike. He is rocked up. I mean, when I talk about explosive and twitchy and gets underneath people's pads, I mean, he's unbelievable. He has incredible lower body strength, right? You know, he can overpower you, make you miss. You know, he's got, like I said, in a punch and rip where he can throw you to the ground. That's very impressive. You can see how stout he is as an athlete. I mean, he can do it all. There's only one negative, and it's the size. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, double teams every now and then he can get, you know, moved a little bit. All right, well, that's, that's you know, you're going to have to deal with that. Aaron Donald gets moved on double teams too sometimes. You're going to have to pay the piper for that, for the fact that he's going to bust through the line of scrimmage and, you know, fuck up 12 plays a game. Sorry, London. Right, there we you. go. Thank Boom. You. So that's what he's good for right there. Um, but, man, you talk about disruption, F the play up, Mike, in the backfield. He can do all of that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on a roll. <laughs> well, and and what's what's worse to get moved by two guys or to blow the play up so badly that the guy with the ball goes where you were and you get downgraded for that? Yeah, that, yeah, that's right. right. We see they do that to Aaron Donald. Yeah, because he wasn't in his spot because he blew up the right, line. Right, he was he was six yards in the backfield, and you know, they were like, "Well, he left a gap there," and it's like, "Well, I, he, nobody <laughs> thought he was capable of just busting through that easy." Yeah, that's some of that here and. To, on that, too, like, you know, the double teams, like, I, I had heard some of the talk about the guy, oh, he's smaller, and he worried. Like, I came away watching games going, damn, I'm it, it, the double teams are better than I expected. I mean, it, it's damn good. And he's so strong, too. A lot of the times he busts through the middle of them. So, you know, again, he's not the perfect specimen, but I think, Mike, he's somewhere, someone that goes somewhere between 10 and 25 in this draft for sure. And, uh, yeah, there's just not a lot of humans, you know, that are 281 that can move like that and, and be as explosive as this kid. Clemson's Brian Brzee is right. number three on your defensive tackle rankings. 
He was one of the darlings of the top 10 of the mock drafts set in January. And this is why I hate mock drafts early. I hate mock drafts late. I hate mock drafts, period. But early on, the people in the media don't know. Then they start finding out what the teams think, and then the guy drops like a stone. I assume that's the explanation. He was just overrated by yes. the people who evaluate these guys before the team evaluations catch up. Right. I, I would say maybe a little similar even to you know Will Anderson, in my opinion. And it's the same storyline usually with these guys number one recruit went to a big school pretty good he's got to be a top 10 put he's got to be a tie he was number one from rivals.com so the nfl has to make him number one too right no no not necessarily the dude's real though let me just say that yeah he was you know unfairly put into a, a top 10 conversation that yeah he's not there as a football player but three 298 pounds 300 pounds incredible athlete can do everything on the defensive line mike He's really like, a, you know, what you would call a three technique, I think, at the end of the day that can be on the edge of that guard between the guard and the tackle. And he can win with his quicks and his explosiveness off the ball. But he's also 300 pounds and he's got a pretty strong upper body and his ability to hold people at bay in the run game. It's all really good. He's got very good change of direction skills. He's going to be a handful as an interior pass rusher. Yeah. But, you know, is he. I think when people talked about him, they thought, oh, this is a guy that's disrupting and just making plays, play after play after play. No, there, there's some flaws. You can watch a Notre Dame game and go, ooh, that guard had a good day against Brian Brzee. He did not necessarily dominate the way you'd like, right? So there's some things there. But either way, you know, what I said about Kalijah Kansi will be the same thing with Brzee. He's 300 pounds. He's an unbelievable athlete. You know, there's really no glaring negative at him at all and he does a lot of things really really high level so yeah no top 20 pick no 20 through 32 or towards the end of the first round yeah that's kind of where I see Brian Brzee being drafted next up Mozzie Smith from the maize and blue yeah Michigan right uh, one of the strongest guys in the draft. Does the strength translate to what you've seen on film? Well, n not always. He's a freak of nature in the fact of he's 330 pounds and he's like a dancing bear. I mean, he can run. He's quick. He can change directions. As you can see right there, that doesn't look like a human being that's 330 pounds, at least to me. I mean, I know it looks really big, but it's it's pretty put together. There's not sloppiness there. The, the, here's the thing that was shocking about him, Mike. You turn it on and you're shocked about how big and how athletic he is, but then you're also a little bit like, damn, he gets blocked a little too easily or moved by double teams easier than he should for his size. So there's a little bit of a power or an anchor element that was a little disappointing for the guy. At times seemed almost like not mad enough that he's getting blocked in my opinion. But again, like we're saying with a lot of these guys, you know, first off, it's a draft with not a lot of blue chip players, and this guy's huge. He's athletic, and he can do a lot of different things on the defensive line. And I think because of that, yeah, he goes somewhere at the end of the first round. All right, let's take a break. We have been working our way through the various divisions, two teams per segment with their draft needs. We're going to look at the NFC East, starting with the Giants and the Cowboys. Oh, Jesus. Hey, Xavier, just wondering as a team leader if you think it's a big issue that Saquon and Dex are both not there due to their contracts and also how you feel Brian Dable, your coach, has handled it thus far. 
Uh, no, nah, I don't think it's an issue. I mean, they they got you know they dealing with their own own things. Um, so you know that's you know that's for them to for work out. But we know what type of guys they are. Uh, we know what type of players that they are. Um, and we all love them. Um, you know, we all kind of know what it is, but um, we don't really. You know, the guys aren't really looking into it um, like that. Xavier McKinney talking about the absence of Saquon Barkley and Dexter Lawrence from offseason workouts. Number one, they're voluntary. Number two, Barkley's not even under contract. Right. So guys are withholding services in an effort to get the the money that they believe they deserve, and we support any player trying to get the money that he deserves, especially when he's a first-round pick, he's earned it, and he hasn't gotten his reward yet. So the Giants have a first-round pick this year, lower than it's been since 2012. Yeah. They won their most recent Super Bowl. They are at 25, which is the – the bad news, good news. Good news is you're an elite team now. Bad news is you're you're picking fairly late. What do they need more than anything else, regardless of where they pick in round one or the total number of picks? What area do they need to address? Yeah, I'm picking at 25 because they beat the Vikings in the wild card round. Yeah, Giants. Woo! Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, thanks. Well, I think if there's one, right, the Giants, as we know, it, it's not a complete roster yet. I mean, I think we all can agree that it was pretty amazing what they did last year, right? But the one thing I look at more glaring than other is corner. They have got to get a corner in this draft. And I, you know, at 25, I would, I would think that there's going to be one there to be had. And now, one, they need some, you know, infused young talent there at the position. Two, the other reason I say that, too, is – Again, the defensive coordinator, who are we thinking about? It's Wink Martindale. Where did he come from? Baltimore. Oh, that's right. They had Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, and they wanted Marlon Humphrey to play on an island so they could do all this crazy crap in the back end, and he could be creative that way. So that's the one I look at. They obviously have some O-line. You know, They could get into the interior O-line, center, guard. And, of course, wide receiver is there as well. They can use a, a, still a boost in that position. But corner's the one thing, Mike, I look at that they got to get here in the top half of the draft. They made the investment in Daniel Jones. They've got to get him some help. It can't be Isaiah Hodgins. They've added Paris Campbell. Yeah. They've traded for Darren Waller. They need, need to get one some more. receivers. Not, not yeah. round one. Not right. round one necessarily, but they need, so they need help at that position. And they may need to think about a running back to develop – if Saquon Barkley is getting toward the end of his time with the team. Cowboys! Cowboys! 26th overall pick in the draft. What do they need more than anything else? I, I think when you really break down the Cowboys, you could just go, you know, D-line would be a basic thought that just pops up when you look at their roster, right? It's, you know, Dexter Lawrence, he's getting up there, and he's not necessarily the same force that he used to be. And then when you look at their interior D-line, you know, there's a lot of good, well, there's no difference makers there, Mike. I think that's where I look at for them to be the number one spot. That, you know, with pick 26, with pick 58, I'll be shocked if there's not a D lineman in one of those picks for sure. So that's the number one thing. And then you can maybe jump into tight end and safety as the other two positions that jump out to me, Mike. But, you know, those are kind of the ones that are on my radar, that D line one being the most, you know, prevalent. In the unlikely event that Demarcus John Robinson Lawrence, is still there at number 26, yeah. run to the podium. Who'd you Not say? Not from Seattle or from Dallas. If Bijan Robinson oh, happens to I be hear at number 26, I hear you. get your next stud running back. Ezekiel Elliott gone, although there's some talk he may go back. 
because there's nothing else out there. Tony Pollard, short-term. Bijan Robinson, longer-term if he would be there. All right, let's take a break. We will look at another team from the NFC East when PFT Live continues right after this. Two of them, actually. From Old Ox Brewery in Ashburn, Virginia, comes the IPA by Dan. The farewell to Daniel Snyder. Sold out very quickly. Sold out faster than the team is selling. That's a process that's still going to take a while. Tastes like 23 years of bitterness. Well done. Uh, Well done. By Dan, indeed. We'll see if he's gone by the time the season starts. What do the commanders need to get out of this draft to make their team better by the time the season starts? Well, I think, like, O-line is pretty glaring, right? We talked about that last year. It's not the worst, but it certainly needs some help. And it, it, there's not a lot of, like, there's nobody you can look at on their O-line and go, oh, yeah, that's a, he's a pretty t- big-time marquee offensive lineman. So that, I, I got to think that's got to be in the running at what their pick 16, right? So that, Mike, corner, you look at that position and, you know, you want more on their roster and tight end. That would be the three that really jump out to me more than any, right? And that's the decision that, that could be interesting for them, Mike, when I throw it out or just think about the draft and I'm starting to have to think about my mock and all that. Washington could be that team where pick 16, do they take one of the good tackles on the board? Or does that tight end from Utah, Dalton Kincaid, who I think is very special, he's on the board maybe there too. What would they do? Uh, could be interesting. But I think O-line for sure has got to be addressed somewhere you know, in that, that top half of the draft. Absolutely, O-line. If they're all in with the Sam Howell experiment, get the most out of a young quarterback and put other help around him, make the offensive line better any way you can so Howell can, can reach his ceiling, whatever it may be the Eagles. Well, we were going to do one team this segment. Now we're doing two teams this segment. The Eagles can't leave the 2023 draft without addressing what? By the way, they have two picks in round one, number 10 and number 30. I mean, it's it's hilarious. It really is. It's hilarious. The Eagles, the most perfect team in football. I, what do they need? I don't know. What do, what do they need? Nothing. I mean, an O-line? Is there really a spot to like look at and go, ooh, they could use that? I don't really think so. You know, they got... Wouldn't you want to get Jason Kelsey's replacement? They got him wouldn't, last wouldn't year. You be thinking about they that, They got though? him last year. They took yeah. a second-round pick of the kid from Nebraska. That's where I think, like, when people go, oh, they might take a guard, I go, no, they're probably going to make that kid play guard this year. And then next year, he'll take over the center. He's from uh, so well. Then you need a guard. Then you need a guard now to they, develop. I maybe. mean, either way, you got a key part sure. of your offensive sure. line that you are on notice is leaving after this year. You weren't sure he was coming back. Now you know he's back for one year. You have to have your plan in place, and maybe they already do. And may- maybe you start planning about that, well. That's what's the, hard. The right. next right. right tackle after Lane Johnson. But sure. you're, this is a luxury for the Eagles, where they can load up on replacements for the older players that are cycling off the roster. That that's exactly right. It's a luxury, you know. You could look at safety and go, okay. But, I mean, there's nobody that you – know, I have a few safeties left to go and I'm done with my draft evaluation. As of right now, there's nobody in the first round of the safety conversation. So that that's not something I look at to be addressed there. You know, I think you said you said it right. I kind of look at it the way you do. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a, yeah, a luxury pick, O-line for the future. D-line does jump out, Mike. D-line, you go, Fletcher Cox, we know we're coming to the end. They lost Javon Hargrave. They do have Jordan Davis, right? 
But Brandon Graham's getting up there in age. So if there's a big-time pass rusher up there at 10 or something like that, I wouldn't be shocked to see them go that way. I know they got Hassan Reddick. You know, uh, middle linebacker's another area you look at. But, damn, it's a damn good roster, and everything seems about luxury with them. I think they're the floor for Jalen Carter, and I don't think Carter's going to be there at 10. But I think, if I think, I think frankly, that's why Carter – said no thanks to you anyone think he knew not that. the top 10. Because yeah. I, think, I think Drew Rosenhaus knows how he's taking him at 10 if he's there. Right. And anything higher than that is just icing on the cake at this point. All right, we'll put some icing on the cake that is today's show when PFT Live concludes right after this. Let's ride indeed. Right into what a bunker. The hell, Russ? What was he? Was he texting and and texting was he and live driving. streaming Damn his it, golf Russ. cart ride? What was he? Doing? Straight into the bunker went the cart. Didn't have uh, his driver uh, out there Russ. on the golf course. Come on. <laughs> at least, at least Russell Wilson is good for whatever compensation is required for any damage that may have been done. To the golf cart so that's the good news yeah well good yeah i mean either way if there was damage done to the golf cart if one guy could afford it out there on the golf course it's russell wilson for sure so i know you can't really see is it that it's hard to see the is it i guess flipped on its side there the golf cart but i i don't know sean payton's gonna have to do some evaluation on his vision right there he's not seeing the field very well early on here in this new process <laughs> I, I would love to know the story, and I doubt that we'll ever get it, of exactly what happened to cause Russell Wilson to take a cart into a bunker. But it is a great metaphor for where his career currently is. And Sean Payton would be the one to drag the cart out of the bunker and set it upright and put it back on track again, if that's even possible. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm betting yes. I'm betting they get out of that damn bunker, and they're, they're in the middle of the, the fairway a whole lot this year. They're on a tough course in the AFC West. Let's see if they can figure it out. We're done. See you tomorrow. Have a great Tuesday. Bye-bye. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.